Hi, my name is Mary. I have a new life in Christ, and I'm recovering from fear of man. (laughs) Okay, you might be thinking, what is fear of man? It's the fear of others' disapproval. I see it in myself when I live, when I feel self-conscious and awkward. I see it when I compare myself to others, hoping that I'm good enough. I see it when I wait to make a decision to see what others are doing so I can fit in. Growing up, I thought of church as visiting God in a nursing home. I would listen to the stories he had to tell, then go home, hoping I didn't have to go back the next week. My parents divorced when I was seven, and I learned to take care of myself, as no one else seemed to have time. I have always taken care of myself, so I continued this pattern. I did not ask for help, lean on anyone, and really never learned how to be in a relationship. In fact, I fought against these things. I smiled, withdrew, isolated, felt alone, and was depressed, all while trying to look good on the outside. Somewhere I decided that if the world saw only a good me, then I would feel good. As a teen, my friend's father sexually abused me for many years, and I didn't say anything out of fear. During this time, I learned to be a people pleaser, never voicing my hurts, wants, or desires, never even knowing what I wanted or needed. I controlled my life by using people before they could use me. I would choose friends and boyfriends who I never got to know well because I wasn't able to be vulnerable or authentic. It was easy to leave them behind as I moved on because it was all about me and what I wanted. My marriage followed the same pattern. I assumed my husband only wanted things from me but wasn't interested in me and didn't have time to love me. I honestly tried to keep him out. When he wanted to discuss our marriage, I would shut down, shut him out, and feel guilty all at once. So I tried hard in other ways to create a better marriage. I helped others, cooked more, cleaned more, did more, became more, so that maybe it wouldn't be obvious that I wasn't actually emotionally present. My children and friends got all of my time and energy. Maybe they would think I was awesome. And in my hiding, I found ways to cope that were socially acceptable, overeating being one of them. Food has been my comfort. Reading was another, which slowly became inappropriate. Those romance novels, chick lit, erotica, I call it word pornography. I think they are as addictive and harmful as visual pornography, just as depraved, full of lies, promising acceptance and a happy ending. They give the illusion of a place of escape where everything turns out beautiful, unconditional love abounds, and all hurts are healed in the end. And a bit of sex adds to the thrill. I was sliding down a slope into unreasonable expectations and the growing desire to find happiness elsewhere. Did I mention God in there? Anywhere? No? 20 years of marriage and 20 years of church membership. We were going to church at least twice a week, participating in small groups. 
I was baptized and wanted the joy I saw in those who were spending time with God daily. I was so much closer to God than I had been growing up, or so I thought. I saw the love of Christ from time to time, but didn't know how to follow him more closely. Church became another place to give time and energy where I would get praise. We made great friends, but I never shared my deep hurts or pain. I don't know if I would have been able to, because at that point, it was not my fault. I felt that I had no wrong in my marriage. I was a victim after all. Venting about my life became a great substitute for taking it to God. Other women filled the void where God should have been, and I allowed their advice and comfort to help me cope. I'm sure there was godly counsel, but I was not listening. To quote a friend, I added Jesus like salt and pepper to a tasteless dish. When Steve's addiction to pornography was exposed, I was relieved. I knew he was addicted. I had just refused to acknowledge it. In fact, it had given me a reason to stay distant and shut off from him. The world said I should leave him, divorce him, distance myself from the shame of what my husband did. Why should I suffer? My sons were grown, and I should run. But God spoke loud and clear that day. I knew immediately upon seeing Steve's truth that I would not leave him, that I was committed to him and to our marriage. Funny, that was probably the turning point for my heart change. This might have been the most clearly I had seen my life and Christ's will for me. I couldn't explain why I wasn't angry or hurt, but there I was, not surprised and not angry. Steveson had been exposed and leaving him would have protected me, but it wouldn't have been God's will for me. Steve decided to try Regen and invited me. Of course. I love to talk about myself, my problems, what is wrong with everyone else. I love to vent. I couldn't wait to see the changes in Steve, and I was happy to go. Groundwork. I cried every week for the first month or two. This was a vulnerability I was not prepared for. What if no one liked me? What if I was too broken? I was intimidated and overwhelmed. I cannot share my hurts and confusion and still look happy. But watching others be authentic helped me to be brave and allow God to show me my sin. Steps one through three were so good for me. Well, steps one and two were good for me. I read and prayed and understood what Christ had done for me and accepted his forgiveness. Step three was scary beyond belief. I knew about trusting God but had never tried to do more than give lip service. I'm still working on step three. Giving up my self-reliance is hard, but the lie is that God can't be trusted. Psalm 13, five through six says, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice, rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Step four, inventory, was hard. I was still fighting to see the harms I caused. I really had to surrender to God to allow him to show me my parts and my hurts. Step five, confession was hard. The anxiety I felt confessing took a while to dissipate, so I didn't feel the freedom right away. It snuck up on me. Step eight, forgive, was most freeing. 
letting go of those hurts that I had pretended didn't hurt. <sighs> I've given up word pornography. Heck, I've given up all reading, unless it points me to Jesus. I still struggle with eating as an idol. I want to justify my eating as not harming anyone, but it harms me. Every time I turn to food instead of Christ, I'm claiming that he isn't enough and won't take care of me. Just last month, I realized how I still refuse to face choices when I know someone's feelings will be hurt. That forces someone else to make the hard choices, and that isn't fair to them, specifically my husband. I finally started to see the hurt I cause when I'm not authentic and honest. Now I'm leading an amazing group of women, and I have a super co-leader. Watching others find hope in Christ is amazing. It reminds me that it is all him and none of me. Way to go, girls. And Steve, my husband. I'm still a work in progress. I try not to isolate and instead give Steve my love, time, and attention. I'm walking with him through his recovery as he walks with me through mine. There is a hope and promise in our relationship that it's been missing for a long time. Maybe it wasn't ever there. But we have a chance to grow together, support each other, and build a dream ministry together. And I look forward to the joys God will bring us. If you are new, welcome. Welcome to the place where struggles are a part of our story, when we are giving to God to make perfect, where what the world says isn't the final word. That is reserved for God. My name is Mary, I have a new life in Christ, and I'm recovering from fear of man. Praise God for saving me from myself.